Good morning, everyone. My name is Dave, one of the ministers here. Great to be with you, gathered by God to hear his word as we just have. And if you've got your Bibles, keep them open at Luke chapter 16. We'll be looking through that and quite closely. So good to have it in front of you. Um, and what about that parable? A lot of people find that parable quite tricky. Does anyone else anyone find it a little bit tricky? Yeah, um, because Jesus, he appears to hold up this dishonest, cunning, you know, kind of shifty, wasteful manager as an example to follow. And we sort of feel like, oh, that just contradicts everything that else that Jesus teaches. So how do we, how do we make sense of this? Um, and, and so people have tried to make sense of it. Um, they, they've said, you know, maybe the master was praising this manager because he made him look so generous in giving all these discounts. Or maybe he praised the manager because the manager just cut his commission uh, in order to try and make some friends for himself. So that was a good thing to do. Or, or maybe he's praising the manager because he's, he's increased the cash flow for the business by lowering the debt so people can pay it back or something like that. I don't think it's that. Or, or one I heard this week was maybe he's, he's praising the dishonest manager because he's valued relationships above money. And look, I think all those things are good things, but I think they're missing the point of the parable that Jesus tells. Because I think if you, if you read it carefully, you'll see the, the point of this parable, the reason that the master praises the manager is for his shrewdness. Shrewdness. Uh, that is not a word that we use much, but it is, a, it is something that we see all around us in the world. Uh, Stockbrokers are shrewd. They make money buying and selling shares. You know, they've got, to, they've got to buy the ones that are going up, sell the ones going down. That's not easy. Uh, you have to be able to predict the market, what it's going to do. So they are shrewd. Uh, business leaders are shrewd. Uh, the best ones are able to, to see the future needs of people and then create products and services to meet those needs in the future. And then they've got to stay ahead of the competition as well. So they are shrewd. Financial planners are shrewd as well. Uh, they won't advise you to buy cryptocurrency, I'm sure. They won't advise you to listen to the guy on your Facebook feed who says he makes 40 grand a week in passive income, and so can you. Okay? He won't advise you to listen to him. But they'll say they'll take stock of the current financial situation. Uh, they will encourage long-term, low-risk investments uh, and budgeting, disciplined budgeting. Uh, so that's shrewdness, uh, and, and that's what shrewdness is. It is a, it is a careful, forward thinking that produces wise and strategic actions, right? Careful, forward thinking of what's going to happen in the future that's going to produce wise and strategic actions in the present. That's what it means to be shrewd. And Jesus is telling these parables because he wants his disciples to be shrewd, but he knows they're not that good at it. Right, he sees the people of the world, he sees that they're quite shrewd in the way they manage themselves, but Jesus' disciples are not so shrewd. And so uh, Jesus tells this parable of, of, a, of a questionable manager, ethically, so they can learn from, from his actions. Right? Not, not learn from his wrong actions, uh, but they can learn from the good things that he does. Uh, and, and Christians, look, have, have every reason to be the shrewdest of people. Right? But to be shrewd in the service of God, right? to be shaped by, by his character and his purposes and the future that he has promised us. Right? God wants us to be forward-thinking people 
uh, who are wise and strategic in the present. Uh, because we know that the things we do now can have significance in eternity. That's very important. So we want to be shrewd. Uh, and Jesus teaches that today. He does it this way. Uh, he tells a parable, first of all. Then he gives an explanation. Uh, then he applies it. And that's what we're going to look at it today, this passage. So firstly, let's have a look at the parable together. Uh, the focus of the parable you can see is the manager because there's three scenes and he's in all of them. And a, a manager is someone who doesn't own the stuff but they're put in charge of the stuff by someone else. They have control of it and they're meant to use it wisely. Uh, and so the first scene we see is uh, the master calls out the manager for what he's been doing. So the master is quite rich but he finds out that his manager has been wasting his possessions. So this wasting is kind of like the prodigal son from last week. Uh, he is just reckless and wild spending of the master's possessions here. Uh, so he calls him out, calls him to account, and, and pretty much his time is up. And so this is a crisis for the manager. He's going to lose his job. And so scene number two, the manager then acts shrewdly uh, in verses three to seven. Uh, we get to go inside his mind. We get to see him uh, considering his options. And he thinks, well, I'm not strong enough to dig. Can't do that. I, I, I'm, not, uh, I'm too ashamed to beg, so I can't do that. But then he, then he figures it out in verse 4. Uh, he has the light bulb moment. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job, people will welcome me into their houses. And so what does he do? Well, he calls his master's debtors. He asks them, how much do you owe my master? Uh, then he gets them to change the bill and, and he gives them a massive discount. And, and doing this means the debtors are not only grateful for these huge discounts, but they've also become complicit in, in this fraud by announcing how much they owe and then changing it on the paper. Uh, and they owe this guy. And so by doing this, the manager has secured for himself a future home and a place after he loses this job. And so then in the final scene of the parable, uh, we get the big surprise. The master praises the manager. Not what we expect. We expect he should be angry with him for the way he's acted uh, so dishonestly and underhandedly. But he praises him. But we should notice, and here's the point, it doesn't praise him for his dishonesty, praises him for his shrewdness uh, at the beginning of verse 8. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. So I think it's kind of like a, a bit of a tip of the hat from the manager. He's like, look, I do not like you, but I respect you. Okay, We, we are kind of the same kind of people. We are shrewd people. Uh, one commentator put it like this. He said, the manager is for sure a rascal but he is a marvellously clever one. All right, so the manager's shrewd actions are, are really the focus of this parable, because right? he was someone who displayed careful forward thinking. Right? He knew his time was running out and he needed to secure a new home, uh, and that produced in him these wise and strategic actions in the present to secure that home. And that is what Jesus wants his disciples to learn from. Right, and we see that's what he goes on to explain in the next section as we go from verse 8b. Uh, Jesus makes a comparison for them. 
He says, For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of light. So two types of people there. We've got the people of this world and we've got the people of light. People of this world uh, is like the manager, uh, someone who has no regard for God and is just living for this life now. But the people of the light are those who know God and are living for his kingdom. And Jesus makes this comparison that the people of this world are more shrewd than the people of light. Right? They're kind of, they seem to be better at planning for the future and making a good use of resources. Now, I read, I try and read a lot of Christian books, uh, which is good, but I've also started reading the odd secular book or like business book from someone who's not a Christian. Uh, and even though these books are not being informed by the biblical worldview, um, they still have a lot of really good insights and wisdom that, that I learn from. Uh, things that I can apply to ministry and mission and in my personal life. And here Jesus is doing something similar. He's saying, you know, these people, they're not people of the light, but you can still learn from them. You can still learn things from them. And so he draws this analogy in verse 9 from the parable as, an, as a, something for his disciples to learn from. So he says to them, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. All right, so he's, Jesus is kind of saying, you know, just like the manager used the things that he had at his disposal to gain friends for himself and to sort of secure that new job for himself, so the disciples are to, are to be like that. They're to use their worldly wealth, the, the things they have now, their, their money, their property, their possessions, they're to use that to gain friends for themselves who welcome them into eternal dwellings. I think what he means by that is uh, be using the resources of this life in preparation for the life to come. Right? So be shrewd in the service of God. And now a really excellent example of this that's happening in our time um, is the Greenfields Project you might have heard about. This is where uh, churches uh, in our Anglican diocese here in Sydney each of us putting a small amount of money into a fund that is then going toward the purchase of these green patches of land in growth areas of Sydney, where there's going to be new communities being built up. Right? And when those communities are being built up, we'll have a church built as well. Right? So these places will have uh, somewhere that they can go, they can hear the gospel, they can repent and believe and be saved, and, and, and God's people can grow in that place and be a light in these new communities. Now, that is, a, that is a really shrewd use of resources, right? That requires heaps of forward thinking and strategy and planning. Uh, but the goal, you can see, is a goal that goes beyond this life into the next. Uh, it, it is a goal to see people saved and built up for the glory of God. Right, and so Jesus wants his disciples to to develop this kind of thinking and action in their life, to be to really shrewd managers for God. And we can see Jesus has moved into the area of worldly wealth. He's talking about money. He's talking about using the things of this life in the service of God's eternal kingdom. And so that, that then is the explanation of the parable that Jesus gives for his disciples to learn uh, from this manager, 
how to be shrewd in the service of God. But then comes the the application, and, and here Jesus really gets to the heart of the matter and what it all comes down to in the end. And so we're going to see Jesus, he's going to kind of build this application um, through verses 10 to 13, and, and each line kind of builds upon the next. Um, and so we'll begin then in verse 10, and when he says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So this is a true statement that Jesus makes to kick things off here. Uh, my daughter Andy is learning to drive at the moment, and uh, we say to her, you can drive the nice, shiny new car. Once you've learned to drive the old, smelly car that is Dad's, right? So you can have the much when you are shown to be trustworthy with the little, okay? And that's the truth Jesus is saying here. Those who are trustworthy with little uh, can be trusted with much. But then he goes on to tell us, well, what is he talking about? So verse 11, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? So the little is, is the worldly wealth. It's money. It's the things of this life. That is the little. And the much is the true riches of heaven. Now being a part of God's kingdom. And then he builds on this again in verse 12 as we go on. And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? And so we see that that little worldly wealth is actually someone else's property. It's, it's God's property that is given to us, that we are to be managers of. And the property of your own is that greater uh, true riches of heaven, the, the inheritance that God gives to his people. And so basically what he's saying here is that disciples are those who have been entrusted with worldly wealth from God and they're meant to be trustworthy in the way they handle God's property now. We are, we are managers of God's things. And the way we do it is we do it with this great hope of inheriting the true riches, right, of having our own place in God's kingdom with all his people. And so there's a wonderful motivation to be trustworthy and shrewd with the things that God gives us because of the hope that God has set before us. Uh, but then, Lisa, then Jesus really, he, he gets to the heart of it in verse 13 and he, and he lands his application. Because, you know, saying what I just said, it's very easy to say. And I think a lot of us can just nod and agree with that. Yes, my money is God's money. I should use it to serve him wisely, shrewdly. But actually doing that is the hard thing. Like really doing that, you know, giving the actual money is, is the hard thing to do. And so this is Jesus' challenge as he lands this application in verse 13. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And this is, this is the challenge that we have. Money is a great rival to God. Money is the greatest idol of our hearts. It seeks to capture our love and our attention and our service. Um, I, I saw this this week. You might have heard of the, the $200 million lotto thing that was happening. And, and I looked up. They actually sold over 10 million tickets for that. That's like half the population in Australia. 
No, we see, we see where Australians' hearts are. They, they are servants of money. They're listening to the promises of money, the promises of life and happiness and, and enjoyment and security and, and there is hope in money for people. And that's the challenge that, that we face and it's the choice that we all must make, which is who do we serve? Who do we love? Uh, who are we devoting our lives to? Is it, is it money or is it God? Because you cannot have it both ways. It, it, is, it is either we're serving money, we're, we're seeking that and we are, we, are, we are serving that, we are securing it and we're spending it because we think we're going to find our deepest satisfaction in having it and the things it can do for us. But people who serve God find their deepest satisfaction in God. And then they serve him with their money. We serve God's purposes with the money that he has given us because it's his and, and we're his managers. And that is what it means to serve God. And you think about what, is, what kind of impact is Jesus wanting uh, this teaching to have upon his disciples as they listen and I think it's this, he wants them to be saying, yes, I want to serve God. I see in my heart the desire to serve money and, and, and to be lured that way, but I really want to serve God. I, I want to be trustworthy in handling the things that he has given to me. I, I want to be shrewd in the way I use it because I'm looking forward to a greater life in heaven. I think that's the application that, that Jesus is giving to them then, but that's also for us now. He wants us to be those shrewd and trustworthy managers of God. He wants us to serve God with the things that he has given us. And we should know this is something that there's a challenge. Uh, it is probably still something that the people of light uh, can grow in and be better at. Uh, we can learn something from the people of this world, from the stockbrokers stock and, and uh, business leaders and financial advisors. Um, they might not be the great examples of godly living, but they're great examples of forward thinking and, and smart investments in the future. And, and I think really the, the greatest lesson that we can learn uh, from people of this world is that if those who are serving money are so shrewd with it, Right, how much more should the people who serve God be shrewd with the things that he has given us? Right, if, if they put so much thought into the things that will not last, right, how much more should God's people be putting effort into things that are going to last eternally? Right, if, if, if they put so much effort into gaining riches of this world, how much should we be putting effort into seeking and saving the lost? into the mission of God, into the purposes of God for our time. I think sometimes we can look at people who are, who are serving money and they, can, they put us to shame with, with how much work and thought and effort they put into it. And we serve a greater God than money. You know, we, are, we are people who will struggle with this. But thankfully... Uh, God is able to transform us. He's able to change the way that we view money and change the way we use money uh, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right, and we see this, this transformation that takes place 
uh, amongst believers. Uh, we see an example in Paul's letter to Timothy that we read out. Um, Paul is talking to people transformed by the gospel. Uh, and, and that leads to a transformed way of, of thinking about money and using it. And so let's read this as we finish up together. Paul says to them, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So we do not hope in wealth, we hope in God. God gives us everything to enjoy. Uh, we're managers of his things. Uh, and so what should we do in this knowledge? Well, Paul goes on, he says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay out treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So you notice Paul says there, this is what you do, you're, you're generous and you're rich in good deeds and you're a, a giving person, but do you notice the framework that he does it in? He, he does it in the forward-thinking framework of gospel hope, doesn't he? You see, when we're giving, uh, we're giving to lay up treasure in heaven for ourselves, not on earth. Uh, we're giving to create that firm foundation, not in this age, but in the age to come. We are doing it to take hold of life, and not life that is here today and gone tomorrow, but life eternal. And I think if we want to be people who are shrewd with our money, the best way to do it is to be regularly thinking about the world to come. Because money doesn't look so shiny when you hold it up next to the glory of God. When you think about... When you think about heaven, when you think about the people of God from every tribe and nation and language across all of time and history that have been ransomed by the blood of Christ, who are gathered around the throne of God and are worshipping him forever in the new creation. When you, when you have that in your mind and you hold that up and then you look at money in this life next to that, it doesn't, it doesn't look so shiny, it doesn't look so full of hope, it doesn't look so trustworthy, it doesn't look like I need to put my hope in that, I'm going to put my hope in the things that God has promised. Right, and so the best way to be to grow in our shrewdness and in our trustworthiness with the things God has given us is to always be looking forward to where we're going rather than just think about where we are right now. I had this friend who uh, lived, he was living in England, but he knew he was going to move to Australia and that really transformed the way that he, he lived and he spent his money and the things that he did. So... Like one example, he didn't buy large pieces of furniture because he was moving countries. He didn't need that stuff. He didn't invest in properties in England because he knew he was moving to Australia. Right? His mind and his thoughts and his preparations and his plans were all about my new home, the place where I'm going. Right? And that's what we must do as followers of Jesus. So I always be thinking forward. I have our mind set upon heaven. Right, that kind of thinking is going to put this life in perspective. It's really going to help us to make really wise and strategic uh, use of our money. Right, and to be those people who are seeking to, uh, to serve God, to serve his purposes, right, to make and grow disciples of Jesus in this life, to see lives transformed through Jesus. Right, that will be our goal. 
Right? And so this is what Jesus is calling us to today. Right? To, to first and foremost, to make that decision to serve God and not money. Right? To make him our hope and give our lives to him and be devoted to him and to love him. Right? To do that first. As we recognise all things coming from him, uh, given to us, uh, we want to be those trustworthy managers of the things of God. All right, we want to be shrewd, making good use of those resources. And we're always doing it because we're thinking we are preparing for that life that is to come. Right, that is a greater glory than all the things of this life. And so let us keep looking forward to that and let us make wise and strategic decisions for the things God has given us as we serve him. Let's pray now that God would change our hearts and that he would do that good work in us by his spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your word uh, that you would teach us. Uh, We are thankful for the power of the spirit that brings us understanding Uh, But Lord, we pray now that you would apply this word to our hearts. Uh, We know these things are easy to say and easy to hear, but they are much harder to put into action. And so, Lord, we pray for the transforming power of your gospel. Uh, We pray, Lord, that you would turn our hearts from uh, from idols uh, to serve the living and true God. Father, we pray that you would help us to be those who are trustworthy with the things that you have given us and to be shrewd in our use of them uh, to serve your purposes in the world. And we pray, Father, that 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 great and glorious vision of what is to come uh, would absolutely transform the way we view the things of this life, uh, that we might uh, use them to lay up that foundation in heaven, that we might be those who take hold of life that is truly life, Uh, in the way we serve you with the things that you have given. And Father, we pray you do this work in us by the power of your spirit and for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray it in his name. Amen.